It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. This season of 12 episodes is devoted to the magic of water and in this episode two, I brave a tremendous rainstorm to wander forgotten paths on a Welsh hillside in search of a holy well. It's a grand adventure full of wildlife, strange discoveries and a bit of a personal spiritual experience, I'd say. And later, I'm joined back in the warm, dry virtual studio by the podcast team to delve once again into the podcast postbag. For now, though, put on your waterproofs and wellies and head out into the wild with me as I try to find a sacred site lost in the hills. I've reached a track along the bottom of a hill and... Cloud has come out of the hill almost, surged up from the hill above me. And while I can see down into the Usk Valley and to some of the other hills, Skiridvaur uh, and some of the Black Mountains, covered in sunshine, it's cold and dark here, even though it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. Last night, really thumping storm hit the house and kept me awake with the rain battering the windows. The wind was swirling around but today it's really cleaned, well cleaned the countryside I suppose. Water all across the roads and lanes and puddles, big puddles on this path I'm following. I recognise this hill. It's um, curiously where I came to see night jars back in July when it was a warm, balmy evening. And now it's much, much colder. Very different landscape. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Hi. They looked in absolute horror at me. One wouldn't even say hello. Oh well. 
so um, there's a lot of big hazel trees here, lots of hazel coppice. It's all covered in moss, rotten looking, falling over. The monastery is looking beautiful. So from where I'm gently walking, I can see Dunnock flying right over me. Uh, and a titter, some description. There's a nest. Once all the leaves are gone, the nests are much more visible. A pigeon's nest. Or a pigeon. A lot of bird calls here. Um, yeah, so. A bit of a wren call. Lovely golden trees. It's a very heavily wooded county in Monmouthshire. And I'm looking across the sort of the valley of the Usk. It's all green fields, small copses of woods, gentle hills, mighty farmhouses. But I'm heading off into the away from the soft, gentle. soft underbelly of Monmouthshire into the rugged heights south of the Blorinch, the big one of Abergvenny's big mountains there's a ridge, big broad ridge of hill that pretty much runs all the way south to Newport and I'm on the eastern slopes of those hills of that hill somewhere up here I've been looking at this on my map. I've got a big map of the area on my wall at home. And I spotted in Gothic writing, Holy Well, tucked up in a really isolated little, well, high up on the mountainside, on the hillside, in a wooded dell by the look of things, but quite difficult to tell from the map. And I've been thinking about visiting it for a long time, so. As we're doing a season of watery podcasts, hello Robin, I thought it would be fun to set off and see if I can find this well. I've no idea, no, I've never heard anyone speak about it, not read about it anywhere, it just says holy well, so I'm intrigued as to what I might find there. Above me there's this sort of skeletal trees at the top of the hill. Um, peering out of smoky mist and very different from the view elsewhere gorgeous broad sunshine sparkling what's this thing great tit so I'm heading south-ish I would say along a broad forest path Fairfeld slopes above me. And I follow this path for a while as it curves around and then up into the hills. Hopefully, to find this holy well. This is curious. There's the skeletal remains of a, a railway carriage, a goods wagon, covered goods wagon perched up on the hillside here. I wonder if it was used as a shelter at one stage, but it's just rotted away. There's these metal frame 
it's largely rusted and some of the wood is still there it looks a bit unstable to go inside rather sad because it would be a lovely little spot here and now i'm beginning to head upwards on this forest path um, lots of ash saplings everywhere and the kind of dead heads of willow herb with their curly fronds of foliage and bracken all brown and spent definitely the sense of the countryside going to sleep still some leaves on the tree but trees these are oaks here but mostly they are um, falling fallen probably got about two miles a mile and a half on this track and then it's a bit of hunting in the woods for this well in the valley but there's a beautiful piece here there's a missile thrush there this heavy grey cloud has been sort of set, seems to have been sent out from this particular hill that I'm climbing it's beginning to envelop the whole of the Usk Valley and maybe I'm glad I wore my raincoat because it looked so promising but I think this is going to be a rainy day. I love the way from here where I'm standing looking east across Monmouthshire. You get these hills, gentle hills mostly, surging in from each side. There's sort of ridges and they get paler and paler and paler you reach the horizon and the Y Valley. Quite steep here, so forgive my out of breathness. My engine hasn't warmed up yet, but I'll be heading into the fog soon. It'll create a different sort of atmosphere. Fox scout on the path here, which I'm just going to kick open. It's full of little bones and feathers. Oh, I've just passed through a dell of thick rushes. All soaking wet, deep. So my legs are now wet. Talking of watery podcasts. And now the road goes ever up. Very few people have been up here for a while. No sign that anyone else had forged their way through, and there are no boot prints in the mud or hoof prints from horses. I'm in the mist now, with a little crag above me, and some trees that are just must be so damp here all the time they're covered in moss, and there are these rushy. I'm still on a rushy path, but some, somehow 
I've managed to lose the direct path to the holy well. It's very difficult to work out because there's lots of forestry paths here which aren't official footpaths but link with the footpaths so it's easy to head off in the wrong direction. It's a level path. High up in the mist is not in the thickest part of the mist. I'm sure I'm going to head into that. But I'm not quite sure where this path is going to take me. We're going in the right direction. I might be too high now for the Holy Well. Still, it's very exciting to be on a path that I've never explored before. Let's have a listen to the song of the hill. still. Rushes everywhere, thick green sharp stems shooting out of the ground. Thickets of them. A little rain coming through the mist. Aha, okay, I think I know where I am. I have come too high. Now I've got to descend. I've come to a T-junction, one which leads up into the hill. One sort of arm, the other arm leads down into a clear fell area. And there's a huge tree blocking the path upwards that's fallen in the recent. There are leaves on it, so it's fallen recently. Yeah, so I think down this path, I need to check my map again. So you can hear the sound of rainfall. I knew it was coming. I can never trust these hills more fox scat on prominent stones. Uh, it's a very moody day now. Heavy mist. I'm heading down a forest track, again through rushes. This is the lee of the hill. The, the, the wind blows on the other side. On this side you get all the rain. And the hill to the south. So I'm walking south pretty much here. I can see to the distant town of Combran smoke coming or steam or some sort of exhaust coming from some chimneys of some of the factories there where they make insulation. Nice town, Combran. And um, it uh, has a few big employment centres. I think it also has a tinsel factory. Things were coming up to Christmas. And on the hill directly ahead of me, on sort of spur of the hill, is a little tower. I think is just above Pontypool. Amazing colours of yellows and oranges and just the little shrubs and there's some small oak trees and beech trees growing here. Planted. They've got their little plastic collars. So this has been replanted after felling. There's a huge tree blocking my way now. It's got a real sense of decay here. Old trees that have just succumbed to the damp, to age, and to, as we all do, eventually. Now, where to go here? This is puzzled, wrapped in an enigma. The rain seems to be stopping, which is good, and there's a bit of brightness about 
now it's really I mean woodland on the edge of woodland lots of holly which is obviously evergreen so providing this comfortable a lot of rain now and ah okay so this deep valley sort of cut into the hills is opening up in front of me in the mist and past a huge beech tree here this path is now very narrow not a forestry path it's such amazing paths here some massive beaches very easy to get lost uh, I think I'm roughly on the right track to but it is a lot further, a lot harder than I expected it to be. And I'm really puzzled all the time about where to go. Okay, so here's a path of more fallen trees. And they've come to a dead end. And I can't get through here. Because this beech tree has just collapsed and fallen. There's absolutely no way through unless I climb over a fence into a farmer's field here and work my way around. Sorry about the trespassing. But there we go. So I'm into an open field full of molehills. Steep clear fell ahead of me on the other side of a little valley creeping up. Rain's quite heavy now. Gosh, several of these big beech trees have come down and they seem to be blocking the way. No way through there. I think I can see a stream in this little valley below. Lots of little mushrooms, little fungi in the, in the field. Some bigger ones too. The rain's heavy now. So I've arrived at this little, the smallest babbling brook. And there's a mossy wall here. There's a path west towards, into the hill. Um, into this sort of valley that cuts into the hill. I don't think I'm that far away from the Holy Well now. Just sheltering under some trees here that are bordering this little, little brook. So this water must flow from the Holy Well. Oh, it's such a promising day. It has become so wet now. But uh, anyway, there we are. Can't be helped. So I'm heading now, sort of gently uphill, following the stream. I have to put my hood on. Be able to hear that pattering of rain on the hood. You can see a stile ahead. So hopefully, and there's a hillside of dying bracken, brown, collapsed, and quite heavily wooded, scrubby hill ahead. Water tumbling over into weir here. Let's go and have a look. This is the sound of a Welsh hillside in winter. There's a black bracket fungus here. Black as coal. The water comes over a concrete weir. The hills just soak up these rainstorms endlessly. Throughout the whole of winter all you can hear is running water. So now I'm crossing this stile out of the field and up into 
Oh, very boggy track. Here the water. Really noisy. What's going on here? Oh, it's a waterfall. Not a massive one, but it's, uh, it seems so huge. It's so noisy. I've not got my big walking boots on, so I anticipate a little seepage. Nice clear footpath sign there, pointing up. Does it mention the Holy Well? Hello. We were about parade. Footpath, public footpath, public path, parade, foot. Hooper. Much much better. Even the footpath has its waterfall. You can really hear the stream beside me. An unnamed stream, as far as I know. And now I've got to cross one of the tributaries of the stream. just leads on and up. And all we can hear is water. Slippery. Conditions are hard. So, the scene is thick hazel woodland, some holly, and some bigger oak trees and a few beech trees. In fact, a lot of beech trees. Uh, a lot of moss, a lot of ferns. A lot of smoky mist and a lot of rain. A lot of very slippery branches and stones to uh, use my footing on. Uh, I feel like a bit of an explorer. So that's really dense autumnal moist decay smell. Not totally unpleasant, but so earthy and peaty and what an amazing place. It's got a sort of spiritual feel to it. So still. Wish it wasn't raining. <laughs> There's this like a sort of grotto. Is this it? Several grottos here. Not grottos, but kind of cliff faces here. No, that's not it. I'm going to take shelter under, under the roots of a beach here. Which is just leaning over the path. Some of its roots are exposed. And there's a little bit of shelter from the rain. So I've come to a style. Which actually says, holy well, on it. And... There's a little bit of a built-up thing just beyond, like a wall. So, oh, it's so slippery and stuff. Holy well. Ah, is it slippery? Oh my goodness, I nearly went. Okay, so now a little clamber up. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> difficult underfoot. Uh, birch leaves now. This is it. 
as clearly. Oh my goodness, it is. It's just a little, almost like a cave with a square frontage with clearly laid sto stones. And there's a pool inside here. A square pool. Pond skaters on it. Water measures. Pond skaters on this little, really dark pool. Clearly like sort of, it's very square, it's like a basin in there. Black, sandy bottom. This is the holy well. The waters are cold. And here's the sound of the stream flowing beside it. What a place, and then the path just goes up into the hills. Which looks tantalising. I'm not sure I have the mental strength to tackle a big hill walk in this rain. But I've found the holy well. And I think I'd like to do some research on what it is, why it's holy. What an amazing little spot. So just the simplicity of it is, um, it is just a square of water, a little basin beneath a lintel, but it's sort of almost like in its own little cave, but quite beautifully constructed. I'm going to have to turn off my recorder before it packs in. Just time for a quick photo. And the phone is running out of battery as well. I hope it's good enough. Oh! <laughs> oh dear. So many, many, many schoolboy errors. So here's the song of the Holy Well. The song of the mountains of Wales. And it's the most beautiful song. You at the bottom. Just a few minutes after I left the Holy, Holy Well, the rain has begun to stop. In fact, over the hill behind it, there's a bright light and even blue sky. In fact, there's blue sky above me, and the, the only sounds you can hear there's a few birds waking up. In fact, it's going to be sunny in this place now. Can't believe it. <laughs> Maybe it was appropriate to reach the, that sanctified site just so drowning in water and I got quite worried that my recorder would pack in with the amount of rain that's fallen on it. This is a really marvellous spot though and I mean the whole place has a feeling of peace and beauty. I'm watching sunshine landing on holly berries which are glowing so red above me. And I feel sort of like I've had a little spiritual experience. It was tough slipping and sliding and clambering through heavy rain with wet feet and wet legs and my phone running out of battery so I wasn't sure where I was. And now peace has come over this woodland and lifts the heart a bit when it's golden light, low just lighting up these woods as if it's full of lanterns. And it's catching these autumnal colours. So there's a beech tree glowing 
pale chocolatey brown. Hazel is more yellow and green together. Beach is darker, darker brown. What was quite a sort of dark and decayed looking woodland is now full of sort of light. Music of the of the river, of the stream. As I plod back down this wet, muddy, leafy track. I'm not quite sure of my route home because I definitely can't retrace my steps. I don't think I'd find my way. Plus there are lots of barriers. Uh, Monmouthshire opens up again and there's this cleft in the hillside widens to offer me a view. I can see little farmhouses surrounded by poplars and copses of oaks and beeches. And I can feel the warmth of the sun on my face now. And I'm very grateful for the stay. Oh, I'm back home now and I'm sitting in an armchair. Well, a bit of a rocking chair, really. And I'm going to light the fire. And uh, I'm glad not to be out in that rain anymore. And I've been sort of thinking about that holy well and been looking online for a bit of information. There's not a lot about. But I do have lots of books on local walks and geography and history. And I found a little bit about it in a lovely little book called Lanover Country by Chris Barber. Now, Lanover is the probably the nearest village to the well. And so this is a book of walks and history and local information. It talks about the Holy Well and has a walk to it. It says it contains a murky pool. I would say it wasn't murky when I went. It's very clean and clear. So the well is called Finnan, well, that means well in Welsh, and Goiron, which means very cold. It's got a paragraph here. So it says, When T.H. Thomas of Cardiff cleaned the well out in 1890, he found pins, a nail, a schoolboy's slate pencil, a few buttons, and a copper gilt brooch. He accordingly decided that it had been used as a wishing well, claimed that in order for the wish to come true, it had to be spoken silently. Well, I'm glad I did make a silent wish there. So, this is quite interesting. Pins were used as offerings at British wells in Roman times, and there is evidence of this in many parts of Britain. They represented offerings to the deity of the well for the favour that the person hoped to receive, so wishing, sort of the origins of wishing wells. The pins were often bent in order to exorcise the evil spirit supposed to afflict the person who dropped them. I found a little bit more about the well on a website called ancientmonuments.uk. It says, It's difficult to date the well due to its vernacular construction, but it appears to be undisturbed, and there is no reason to doubt that the elements of the present structure date back to the medieval period. I find that lovely to think that you're visiting the well and wishing there. You're, you know, there might be six, seven hundred years of people doing that. So I found a, another interesting mention of the well in the newsletter of the Welsh Wells Society, uh, which I would love to be a member. And this is from summer 2010. And it says, Goitravaur is an interesting parish. Um, near to the village is Finnan and Goiron. It's believed that the meaning of this unusual name is a well, the waters of which are uncommonly cold. I love that. I love that sort of long-winded but descriptive. Around the well, there are traces of buildings, as if there was once a small village here. Well, it was quite a steep slope, so I'm 
I'd be amazed if there was much building ground, but I didn't get a chance to explore in the rain. The well is recessed and built into the hillside, yes. The sides and the roof slant down into the hillside, yes. Reference is made to the well as far back as the 14th century. It was called Finnen Ruvainig, which means the Roman well. And it says it's got this extra story, which is brilliant. There was a lot of trouble involving the well in Goitravauer Parish in 1873. It was the rector, Reverend Thomas Evans, who incited the villagers to revolt. It was their custom to fetch water every day from a well on a certain piece of farmland. But then the rector bought the farm. One morning in May, a widow called Mrs Waite, who lived in a cottage near the well, went to fetch water as she was accustomed to do, but she was prevented from doing so by the rector. He told her she could not fetch water from the well until she had removed her children from a school which, in his opinion, was opposed to the church and sent them to the school of which he was in charge. Mrs Waite refused to do this, and the rector forbade her from taking water from the well. That was the start of the trouble. The rector called for men to fill the well with stones that very day. The next day, some workmen who were felling wood in the forest near the well came to quench their thirst, and they removed the stones from the well in order to gain access to the water. The rector was very angry and filled the well with stones once again. Very early the next morning, the villagers gathered together, went to the well, reopened it and removed the stones from the site. On 26th of June, and filled the well with so many stones that there was no way that it could be used again. What a meanie. But on 4th of July, the villagers came and with immense effort succeeded in clearing the well. <sighs> More stones were placed over it. On 16th of August, the villagers came to the well and succeeded in removing the stones and drew drinking water from it. When the rector saw that so great a pile of stones was not enough to close the well, he did something wicked. The well was reopened on Saturday. At midnight on the following Sunday, the rector ordered human waste from the rectory lavatory and from the lavatories from nearby cottages, cottages to be thrown into the well. By Monday morning, the stench became unbearable and the village policemen went to the well site to see what was causing it. The rector ordered men to carry stones to the well. Oh, dear, oh dear. Parishioners called the pile of stones Khan Raidor, the rector's cairn. So it's a very long story, this. The rector really got to be in his bonnet and he ordered more workmen to put even more stones over the well and erect a strong fence around the site. However, the parishioners succeeded in gaining access to the small field and through the fence without damaging it, they started industriously to remove the stones. The person who lifted the first stone was Mrs Waite. After five hours or more, the men reached the well and found evidence of how the water had been contaminated. Since the rector had refused to restore the well for villagers' use, enough money was collected by the parishioners to take the matter to the county court and a date was agreed to hear the case. The rector managed to transfer the case to a court in London, therefore avoiding bringing the case to law. Since he was wealthy, he could do this and the parishioners had no way of preventing him from doing so. The rector tried to ease the situation somewhat by giving them another well in the forest, but it was said that it only held water in winter. This account shows clearly how important ordinary wells were for people for centuries and how they, they were prepared to fight to the bitter end to ensure a supply of pure drinking water. Well, what a story. But I think that the villagers appear to have won out in the end and the well is still open. People still visit it. It still has magic for people. The whole story of this well is brilliantly told in a number of letters. GoitraLocalHistory.org.uk the Vicar and the Well. Uh, it's a tremendous series of letters from 1873. That, so there's a bit of evidence. It's amazing. There's a great little poem here written by someone called Aqua, who was protesting about the 
Reverend Evans closing the well, and there's, but he's got this poem called <laughs> Better Let Well Alone. I've heard of holy wells and holy men delighting in well-doing to a brother, but men who choke their neighbour's well and then pray for his welfare with a feigned amen. Can they be holy men? No holy t'other. <laughs> well, well, it finishes. Love it. Uh, what a great way to end. But if you do want to find out more or if you're ever walking in this area, do check out this goiterlocalhistory.org.uk story and uh, well done them for putting it all together. Uh, and I think if I keep digging, we could be into hours and hours of this podcast. So I'm going to leave it for now. But I, I'm tempted to return sometime. So that was the crazy story of the well that I found on the hill. Now, I'm lucky enough to be joined again by Jack and Hannah, who work with me on the podcast. And we're going to do a podcast post bag, um, which is, again, is your letters and emails and uh, reviews. And we just have a little chat through those. But what did you think about that crazy story of the rector filling up the well and stopping the stopping the um stopping the villagers getting hold of the water wait he's not a very nice guy it's that's a not the best thing to be doing is it what happened to him well i don't know what happened to him um he, there's no record in what i was reading well, hopefully they've put him in the well and blocked him in <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's sleeping with the fishes. Um, yeah, well, that would only be his just desserts. It was a particularly sort of odd, unchristian thing to have done to deprive people of their water. I was really delighted to find all that story about something where I genuinely didn't know there was all this backstory to the holy well. Uh, have you ever w- made a wish at a holy well? And what would you wish for? <laughs> My wish was to do with rain. <laughs> <laughs> I have made an offering of myself at several wells and fountains. When I was little, my mum used to bring a whole like spare pair of clothes for me um, because if there was water, I would get in it. Uh. Like puddles, ponds, anything. Hannah in it. Nice, nice. You've sort of been, you've baptised yourself yes, in, uh, in, in pagan wells or the, <laughs> all the opposite way around. I don't know. You're a pagan in a holy well. I'm sure all your dreams will come true. (laughs) (laughs) Please may I grow up to be a podcast voiceover artist. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't exist. I'm so glad that your dream came true and you're here today (laughs) to talk through the podcast, podcast post bag. Um, We've got a few interesting comments and thoughts from listeners this week. Jack, would you like to lead off? There's one which seems to sort of fit well within your sphere sphere of interest. Well, I said at the in the uh, Christmas special, I said uh, that one of my favourites of the year was the Thames special, and we've got a message in from Sea Green One Hundred. They have message saying that they've just listened to the Thames Source Quest. It really made them smile. The almost childlike delight in nature that it conveyed. Uh, she mentions the pondering over the speed of a lone poo stick. Uh, wondering at the identity of a withered leaf and poking around in fox poo. It took them back to the childhood days of pottering around in the fields behind their house, starting off a little aimless and finding all sorts of small wonders. And I, I think that's the, I love it because I think that's the reason I enjoy it so much as well, because it's, there's so many little bits in it that are quite that sort of childlike wondering about something or just kind of 
and, aim, just, and appreciating aimless. it. Yeah. <laughs> <Aim>. <laughs> oh, that's 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 a really nice comment and nice that they were so sort of detailed about what was in the in the in the podcast. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, Fergus? About children concentrating on details rather than the big picture when they're out in nature. They don't really notice views as much as they notice fungus. Yes, it's a good lesson for parents, is uh, which I've learned the hard way. Don't take your son to the top of the hill and go, how lucky we are to live in this beautiful landscape. And he's like, Dad, I'm bored. He much prefer to be <laughs> in the river making dams, um, looking at incredibly evil-looking critters under stones and catching slimy stuff. So, yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Hannah, what have you got for us? I have our long-distance and long-term listener of the week. It's Amanda from Houston in Texas. Yay. She says she just had to write as she found your narrative style whilst out walking so very compelling. I really liked how you listened and allowed enough quiet time in the recording for your audience to focus on the amazing birds you heard that day. It was brilliantly done and rare for a narrator, in my opinion. Most feel they have to fill the gaps with continued banter. But those faces in your recording with ambient sound were very effective. There we go. There's a little bit of ambient sound without the narrator <laughs> stepping in. Um, that's really nice of Amanda to say that. Um, and actually, there's probably... Could be we could be braver. I could be braver and not speak quite as much and let the landscape do more of the talking in those particular podcasts. Obviously, it's difficult when you're doing an interview. <laughs> Delightful and yeah, it's, again, really good encouragement to um, keep going and keep practicing, keep keep sort of um, experimenting with the sounds that we find on these walks. And that's why when you were talking, Jack, about finding those amazing sounds of Rice Krispies popping in the meadows around the Thames source it's going out and finding those sort of things so we're obviously we're going to have to do some podcasts all together this year when we can because I think there's 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 a lot of fun to be had doing it in a a team rather than just me wandering lonely as as a little cloud so um I've got one here from Des Sussex, which I, I think must be his name, unless it's Des from Sussex, but it's difficult to, difficult to work out. Um, he works for Natural England, and he's, he's picked up that quite a few of the podcasts are na- um, national, in National Nature Reserves, NNRs, Chobham Common, Martin Down, and a couple of others. Quite a lot of those National Nature Reserves don't get the praise they should because they're not one of these... They're, a government, they're run by a sort of government body, Natural England, rather than a big glamorous charity like the National Trust or RSPB or the Wildfowl and Wetland Trust. So they possibly don't get as enough praise, but some of them are massive places and full of incredible wildlife. So um, I'm glad he spotted that. And I'm, yeah, there's, let me know of any other great ones that you, you have you could you could share with us and we'll come and find all sorts of things you say toads are one of your favorite creatures and you enjoyed the toad cast so um let's find some other um, other critters i'd love to see a natterjack toad so if someone can suggest a great place to, where we can go and listen to natterjacks croaking away and crawling around then yes that would be a big one for for this year um i've got another one here i like the really short reviews we get on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, and this is from Nick 
two zero 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 and maybe one more zero. He says, very good podcast, but he does go on to say, if you like trees, rivers, fields, beasts, and plants, you will like this show. And that's <laughs> um, that, that perfect, perfect review. It sums it up nicely. Mm, yeah. So that's pretty much it this week. What are you guys up to? Are you going anywhere exciting? Any watery adventures? This being our water-themed season. Well, I am planning to go down the valley again where we recorded our treasure hunting podcast because mm-hmm. the rain has been so heavy here over the last couple of days. I really want to see how it's affected what's going on down there, um, what the beach is doing, how it's affected the stones on the on the shoreline. Yeah, it's exciting. Are you going to record part two then? I can do, yeah. <laughs> Jack, you ought, to, you ought to much in the in the wild world. Or are you stuck in your office um, editing podcasts no, I, for everybody? I mean, when I can, I can. Get, I, I like to get out. Um, but uh, seeing as the weather's sort of it's drying off a bit, but I find in the winter you can go to a lot of places and they're a lot quieter than they are in the summer. And uh, I sometimes especially like to just go out, take my little recorder out and just sit and record a bit of just the sound of where I am. And uh, I've got a few now that kind of from different times of the years and different places and it's interesting well, I find it interesting hearing the difference in locations or the difference over a time period of a year in the same location and how much it changes depending on the weather, depending on the situation. Obviously, summer this year was a lot quieter than probably summer the previous year. You hear the distant lamenting of a late nation under, under lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I'd just like to add, for anyone listening, please do send in thoughts. We're happy to answer questions in the podcast post bag and also if you're far away in the world listening to this do tell us where you're from we always love to hear you know we've had a lot from north america wherever you are in the world send us a send us a quick me- uh, message and we, you'll get a mention and we might by the end of the series see the the, the, the most uh, the furthest away from our home in south wales we'll get a prize of my choosing um but yeah that would be a really fun thing to try and do and so, uh, yeah, so it just remains for us to say farewell and see you in the next episode. Thanks for your help, chaps. <laughs>